Have you ever sat down and thought that you were supposed to start a podcast? Have you ever wondered how you're going to do that and how that will work? Anchor.fm is the link where this podcast is recorded. It is so helpful, so easy to do. Now, come on, people. If I can do it, y'all can do it. I'm telling you what. So (laughs) go to anchor.fm, start your podcast, and follow what God is calling you to do. Hey guys, welcome to season 12 of the Anchor by the Sword podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so appreciative and grateful and blessed for each person who listens for the first time or has been with us through now 12 seasons. So thank you for tuning in to listen and glean something from the freedom stories of the person featured in each episode. God bless and let's do this. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Anchor by the Sword podcast. I am really, really, really excited for you guys to hear this interview today. I am talking with my friend Doris Swift. Doris and I met at the Spark Conference back in 2022 in Nashville, my very first podcasting conference, and we had such a great time. And she had a new study come out recently called Surrender the Joy Stealers. So we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to dive more into her story. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Gina. I'm excited to spend some more time with you. And I appreciate you giving the opportunity for me to share the story and about the book. Absolutely. Can you tell my listeners more about yourself? Sure. Well, First and foremost, I'm a child of God and a Jesus girl, and I've been married to my hubby, Brian. We're going for 39 years in August. We have two adult kids who are both married to amazing um, people, and they, between the two families, have given us six awesome grandkids, so it keeps us busy. (laughs) And um, on the side, I also am uh, the office manager at my church, and I do do the finances and some lay counseling and discipleship mentoring. And I'm an author and speaker and I host the Fierce Calling podcast, which you're going to be a guest on soon too. So I'm excited about that. And yeah, that's, that's about where I am at the time and just happy to share God's truth and um, encourage people to walk deeper in his word. I love that. And yeah, I am so excited for our conversation on your podcast as well. And if it comes out before mine, I will put a link to it in the show notes for you guys to go tune in. So Doris, let's get into your freedom story. Yes. Well, I want to share that my freedom story involves walking out of shame. And ultimately my freedom story is when I met Jesus, Mm -hmm. but I was raised in a, in a church where we really didn't talk about salvation, the salvation message or what born again meant. We didn't really hear that kind of message. And Mm -hmm. so I I knew Jesus. I knew God, the father, the Holy spirit. I knew about them. I just didn't know them or know that I could know God personally. And so in 1985 was the first time I met Jesus. Mm -hmm. And before that, I was walking in a lot of shame. I experienced a teen pregnancy. I was a teen mom and I was never ashamed of my baby at all. Love my baby. He's like three feet taller than me now, you know, <laughs> has, his, has his wife, his kids. And so I am just so proud of him. It's just when I was a young girl, you know, a young teen girl, 
18 years old and I just didn't know where I fit in anymore. Mm-hmm. And the person that I was supposed to marry, it just did not work out. It turned out that he was not who he portrayed himself to be. And I, you know, I've written about how it's so important to trust God when it's time to walk away from a toxic relationship, but we were engaged. We, we did not get married. Um, but my parents were very supportive. And so I had a supportive family. And so, uh, but you know, it was just that shame that I felt because, you know, I knew it was wrong. Sex out of marriage is wrong. You know, I knew that much and I knew that, you know, I couldn't hide that sin from other people. I mean, there's sins that we can hide from people, but that one you can't really hide. Right. <laughs> you know, eventually it's going to come out. People are right. going to notice. So since I couldn't hide the sin, I just began to just hide myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want my friends to see me. I didn't want to be known as, oh, that girl that left high school early. Cause I was six months shy of graduation when I left. And so that was kind of something that I always felt bad about as well, you know, that I didn't get to walk with my class and all of these things. And so, uh, I didn't know where I fit in. I didn't fit in as really a teen anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, my friends didn't really understand what it was like to have to take care of a baby. And, you know, my time was then devoted to my son. And then I really didn't feel like I fit in with teen mom. I mean, well, regular, you know, mom groups Mm -hmm. because they were, you know, a lot of them were married and, you know, young moms with their kids. And it, I don't know, I just felt like I didn't fit anywhere. And so I just kind of walked in that for a long time. And especially when people would ask me, Oh, how old is your son? And, you know, they would know how old I was. And then we kind of do the math and then Mm -hmm. I would be like, Oh, they're going to realize how old I was when I had them, you know? And, but when I met Jesus, it changed everything because I learned that Jesus shamed shame on the cross so that I didn't have to walk in shame. And so I threw off shame and that was really something that I could start to see God could use the things that I experienced to help other people. Mm -hmm. And so when I left my banking career of like 29 years, I was in the banking industry, I started to uh, volunteer as a lay counselor at a crisis pregnancy center, a faith-based one in our area. So I could minister to girls that were also going through these kind of situations and I could relate to what they were, were going through. So that is my freedom story. My freedom story is Jesus. I found freedom in Christ mm-hmm. and freedom from shame. And I want others to know that wherever they've been, what they've done or what's been done to them, that they can still walk in, in their calling and God can still use them and they need not walk in shame and they need not walk in guilt and they can throw that off and step out of their doubt and into their calling. Mm -hmm. Oh, amen. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I am. I also did work, uh, with my local, uh, pregnancy choices is what they called it. Um, I did stuff with them back in high school. And then later on in life, I went through my own healing journey a few years ago during COVID. And so I did some stuff with them for a while until things kind of blew up with the podcast and I wasn't able to really help anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. between that and full-time work, which we talked about that, that's kind of takes up a lot of our time. (laughs) 
but yes. <laughs> um, how have you seen God just take what you went through and used it to help other people? That's a great question. And it's an encouraging question because sometimes when we're going through a really difficult season in our life, we can't imagine how God could possibly use it or even use us. Yeah. And I've just seen over time, you know, that there's so many people who have felt that way. And so my heart is to give the message of truth, which is that they are believing a lie because I believed a lie too. And when I spoke at a women's event back in 2013, and I, you know, I talked about also my experience as being a teen mom. And there were so many women that came up to me after that event and said, you know, that's my story too. And they just didn't, you know, especially in at that time, because mm -hmm. at that time, like nowadays, girls go to school pregnant, which is amazing. And they also have even childcare on site for students mm -hmm. so that they can bring their kids to school. And like in our local high school, they actually use that as a pre preschool, like a daycare and other people can also utilize it. And it's a training ground for kids who are um, studying to be, you know, some, an education, you like a teacher uh -huh. or something like that, or maybe they want to open their own preschool. So there's so many things and good things that can come of it. So when I, felt led to go to the pregnancy center. I just wanted to be there to let them know that for one thing, you're not alone, right? You're seen, mm -hmm. you're heard and your voice matters mm -hmm. and your decision is important and that you do have options, but also at the pregnancy center, which I had the option to also do, which I wholeheartedly did was to be trained in post-abortive Mm -hmm. care for women who had made that choice mm -hmm. because they also um, needed to know that they can walk in freedom as well. And so I went through a lot of Bible studies with women who had experienced that as well. And, and so, you know, it's just been amazing to be able to use that, but there's so many more things that we can use our story for that may not be exactly like someone else's story, but it all comes down to walking in freedom in Christ and what he can do to use what we've been through mm -hmm. for our good and his glory and also for the good of other people, because our stories connect us. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important to tell our stories. And oftentimes people feel like they can't tell their story. They want to keep it hidden. And, mm -hmm. you know, we've all had those skeletons in the back of our closets and, yep. you know, we do want to be careful who we share our stories with, but mm -hmm. God will lead us and direct us at the right time to share our stories because we want to share it from a place of healing and not from mm -hmm. a place of brokenness, or if we're still healing through some type of a trauma or pain, it's good to wait until the Lord tells us that it's time to share those things, but he can use all of it. He can use all of our, our experiences for something good. Like it says in Romans eight twenty eight that he mm -hmm. works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his service. So, yeah. So everything has purpose when we surrender it to God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So true. And I know I've seen that in my own life. And I've seen it in so many other people's that the thing that you went through, you didn't go through in vain. 
It's not something you said, oh, let me go through this. Let me go through a teen pregnancy. Let me go through all the shame and stuff that's attached. And, you know, with the times, let me go through all that and let's just see what happens. But it's like, God's like, well, you know what? You went through it. I brought you through it and I'm going to take you through it with somebody else. So Mm. it is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's powerful too, because we might not even really fully know Jesus or have a personal relationship with him at the time Mm -hmm. that we are going through something like that. But then later on, we can look back and see how he was with us and how he is using it, even when we didn't really know him or have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. So that's really encouraging too. Absolutely. So when you were going through your healing process or any process that you go through now, what verse or verses keep you anchored? I love, of course, so many verses. (laughs) One of the verses that I love, especially now is because my Bible study is rooted in John 15. Mm-hmm. I love John 15, 11, which where Jesus, you know, he talks about so many things about abiding in him and, and abiding in his love and bearing much fruit and all of that. And then when we get to that verse, he says, and I, I tell you these things that my joy would be in you, that your joy might be false. So I, I get so much encouragement that we have Jesus joy in us, that our mm-hmm. joy would be full. And he means that for all of us, you know, and so that's exciting. And I also love Ephesians four, one, where Paul is talking about, you know, that he's, he's a prisoner of the Lord and he gives us kind of a mantra or kind of a, a a call, a call to action where he says, um, you know, to walk worthy in the calling with which we were called. And I actually Mm -hmm. love that verse so much. And I, And I really think that's my anchor verse as well for fierce calling, because, Mm -hmm. you know, we are called, we're all called to different things in different seasons, but ultimately our overarching call is to make Christ known, you know, to share Mm -hmm. the gospel with other, other people. And I love that verse so much. I actually had my son paint flowers on my graduation cap Uh for my college graduation. And my friend, um, at work, Eleanor, she used her cricket to make the letters so I could put that verse on my, on my cap. Cause I, and, and that was another thing too. It's like, God's never really done with us as long as we're still breathing. You know, people might think, oh, I'm too old or I'm too tired or I'm too busy. You know, it's like, God, God can use us for so many things. And we never know, like, what he's going to have next for us, like an adventure, because, you know, we're doing so many things now that we never really aspire to do, mm-hmm. never had a clue that we'd be doing these things. And, and so I had gone to college when I was in banking, but I didn't finish my degree and my kids were small. And then I left the bank and all of that. And so I went back to school at 55 and I finished my degree at 59. So I wanted to, encourage other people. I wanted to encourage my grandkids, you know, and inspire them that it's never too late to do what God's calling you to do and to live out your dreams, but also others too. It's like, you know, if you're feeling that nudge that God is calling you to something, don't ignore it. Mm -hmm. You know, he'll make a way. So those two verses right now, and I also, of course, love first Thessalonians 5, 11, I believe it is. It tells us to build each other up, you know, and encourage one another. So that's Mm -hmm. also important. I had that actually on my desk at 
at work in my office <laughs> because I think it's so powerful and mm -hmm. it just reminds us to do that. And I think, and that's like my spiritual gift. One of the gifts that I have, I love teaching, but I also love exhortation, encouraging other people. Mm -hmm. So that's probably why I love it so much. <laughs> there's so many more, <laughs> like the whole book of James. I know. I know. I'm like that with the whole book of Ephesians. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I love so these. Oh yeah. I love these verses and I love congratulations going back to school and graduating at, at 59. That's, that's pretty incredible. Cause I saw some people do that with nursing school. When I went through school, I graduated. Some people would have said I graduated late. I graduated at 28. So some people would be like, uh -huh. Oh, that's a little later. Well, maybe, I mean, I wasn't an 18 year old nurse, thank God, but you know, <laughs> God knew the perfect timing for that. But also the one thing I was going to ask you is when did you start? Cause I know when I started, but when did you start in the podcasting and the book launch world and writing and all the things? Well, I started writing as far back as I can remember when I was a young kid, I loved writing mm -hmm. and I would make up these books. You know, I take the notebook paper and then I would staple cardboard on both sides <laughs> and make, you know, make the cover out of cardboard. And I loved writing stories. Mm -hmm. I always loved English. That was one of my favorite subjects in school. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know anymore if it is because of the editing process, but oh my, yep. <laughs> I did, you know, I always loved that, but I'm a learner. I love to learn. I love school and I actually love to write the term papers and book reports. So call me crazy, but I love that. <laughs> but, uh, so writing was something that I always liked doing. And uh, so I never really got really serious about it when I was working in banking because I was in the financial industry for, you know, 29 years. And it really was a, a full-time, like big commitment thing. And I mm -hmm. just had no bandwidth for doing anything like that. But I did start a blog after I left the bank because someone encouraged me, my friend Lisa, I think it was encouraged me and said, you should start a blog. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what, what should I blog about? And, you know, she said, you know, just like family stuff. So I started blogging about my family, blogging about like things that would happen during my day. Like, for example, like devotionals. One, one day I, um, I heard this big crash and it turns out it was my, I think it was a towel rack in the bathroom and I had put too many wet towels on it and it just collapsed. And so I wrote, I was like, there's got to be a message in this. And it's like, <laughs> we we're not designed to be a towel rack. You know, we can't expect all these things to be laid on top of us and for us to stand, mm. you know, stand up and firm, you know? So so I started writing and so my blog kind of transitioned from a family kind of devotional thing to a ministry for women. Mm -hmm. And so I started writing for women and, and men would read it too. So that was good. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, and then I started taking courses and joining different uh, things like uh, Proverbs 31 has compelled mm -hmm. and I'm part of book camp and I was in hope writers, you know, different ways that I could study. Cause you know how the word says study and show thyself approved. Like God wants yeah. us to actually learn something that he's calling us to. We have to actually take some kind of action. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to hone in on the craft of writing and just learn how to do it better. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And yeah, so I started 
this book proposal that it was originally the concept of the podcast. Uh, the podcast started in 2019 and it was right before the world shut down. It was like <laughs> November, 2019 that I started this podcast. And actually the podcast stemmed from the book proposal. Cause I was uh -huh. like, I'm going to write this book called fierce calling. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be all of these stories of people that I know and people that maybe I don't know, but I'll hear about their stories where they were taking some kind of action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersected. Mm -hmm. And they like had a burning desire, like it says in the word, like a fire that was shut up in their bones where they could not contain it. And right. they felt compelled that they had to do something. So I wanted it to be a book about, you know, this is, this is the call. This is what happened. Like my friend, Debbie, she just, the addiction problem was just so overwhelming. And she was just like, Oh, what do I do about it? I remember her coming into the church office and just like, she's like, what we have to do something about this. You know, it had, it had actually even touched really close to home for her. And, you know, a, a certain area of the community um, was really in addiction. It was just rampant. And so eventually she was like, you know, starting this thing where they'd set up a tent in the middle of this um, trailer park mm -hmm. where it was really a, a big problem there and they would have church, they would serve food and then they would have a message and people mm -hmm. started coming. And eventually that became recovery church and, you know, they meet in a building and, you know, so uh -huh. it's like those kind of stories that are inspiring, but I think so many times people want to do something. They just don't know what to do or how to right. do it. So I wanted to give examples like, somebody started this ministry or somebody started serving at this ministry that already exists. And so the fierce calling podcast actually was, okay, well, my friend had told me years ago, April, she said, you should start a podcast. I was like, well, what would I, what is a podcast? And then what would I podcast about? And right. so she said, well, I don't know, read your blog post or something. So I, I didn't start it then, but then God sent these two sweet ladies into my Bible study group one night. And, you know, I was mentioning the fact that I thought I might start talking on the radio, maybe have a little radio show called Fierce Calling or something. Uh -huh. My friend Carol has, she runs the local radio station and they said, well, you know, we used to be on that station, but we found that if we did a podcast, we could do it from anywhere. So mm -hmm. I was like, there's that word again. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that's when I started the podcast. I thought, okay, it's going to be fierce calling. It's going to be the concept of the book. So when people say, well, what's your book about? I was like, just listen to the podcast. Right. Well, it turns out the book did not even, I mean, it wasn't even fierce calling at all. It uh -huh. was, I guess, meant to be the podcast. So that's where I am. So that's where it all came from. And the book itself, the Bible study actually stemmed from a part of the book proposal that I wrote for Fierce Calling when I talked about an event, you know, that I spoke at a women's event, which was a the theme was joy. And mm -hmm. so I asked women to write on little slips of paper what threatened to steal their joy. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, are they really going to do this? You know, when speakers say, you know, switch tables or do jumping jacks or, you know, like, it's like, what is the speaker going to make me do now? But <laughs> they actually participated. Mm. The women actually felt like, yes, I want to write something down because it was all anonymous. Mm -hmm. And then they brought it forward and they deposited it in a little, in a little box up front. Because when we want to surrender something to God, we can, we can say, yeah, I surrender it. But what, do we really do that? Right. You know, we, we kind of want to keep taking control of it. And so by them actually 
bringing those little slips of paper with what they wrote their joy stealers on, you know, and coming forward and putting it in a box. It was, it was like an action that mm-hmm. God even would see too, that they were taking an action to surrender that to him. And then they took up a white carnation as it was like symbolizing the fact that they were going to surrender these to God and take up and receive his joy freely. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's kind of where the basis of the Bible study came from, because all, you know, all the things that were in that box were things that, you, you know, you might expect, but then things that you might not expect women mm-hmm. to say and share, but because it was anonymous, they felt like freedom to be able mm-hmm. to do it. So we had, you know, so many things in that box. I took it home. And when I started reading it, I just, by the time I was at the end I was in a full on ugly cry. I even wrote in the study. I was like, my husband didn't know whether to like console me or run. He didn't know what was going on and what was happening. <laughs> but I just wanted to pray for each woman represented by each one of those little slips of paper. Mm-hmm. And there were so many things in there that were hard things like addictions and prodigal kids, relationships, um, health diagnoses, you know, all these different hard things. And some of the things I kind of categorized and covered, you know, finances, things like that. And uh, it's, it's really my why kind of became my why Mm -hmm. to remind me that we never know what someone sitting next to us at an event or on a bus or on a train or on a plane is going through. So we have an opportunity to share hope with them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love that the whole carnation thing. That is so sweet. That is such a great representation of being given joy and peace and by surrendering that. So that's a really great idea. And I love the idea of your book, Surrender the Joy Stealers. And you've kind of started talking about it. Um, Let's dive a little bit more into it. So when did you start writing it? All the things. Yeah, I started writing. Actually, it was in the works for a few years at Mm -hmm. the first Spark conference for Christian podcasters Mm -hmm. that actually, I believe it was February of 2020. So it was right after I started my podcast. And I'm like, I really don't have any idea what I'm doing. I'm just kind of searching the internet for best equipment to use. You know, Mm -hmm. how do you start a podcast? You know, all these things. And so I thought, wow, when I saw the I think it actually was my now agent Blythe who shared this podcast conference was going to be happening. It was the inaugural Mm -hmm. podcast conference for spark. I was like, I have got to go to that. I just felt like God was like saying, you need to go to this. Right. And it was for all Christian podcasters. So we were all kind of, you know, brothers and sisters. So it was more like a family thing. So, so went to that and started to learn more about it. Well, that was actually the first time I met Blythe Daniel in person. She's my agent now, but I was able to give her the uh, podcast. Well, it wasn't really, it was the proposal for the book that I was wanting to write, which was first calling. But she was like, you know, I don't know if publishers are really going to look at this because it's, you know, there's so many books on calling. So she's let me take it and, and we'll see. And so really it was like, not, I think it was really a couple of years, even after that interaction that it came to light that she said, you know, this event that you spoke at and these joy stealer things, let's look at that. Let's pull mm-hmm. something out of there and see what we can do with it. So 
you know, it was like a first, it was like, well, could, should it be a devotional? Uh, I don't know. I, I love doing devotionals. I write devotionals. I contribute articles to devotionals, you know, but I, I don't know. I didn't feel like that was the project. So then she came back and said, what about a Bible study? And I thought, you know what, that really struck a chord in me. Mm-hmm. And just probably days before I had experienced a surrender experience. <laughs> That's what, uh, <laughs> what I could say. Because I was at the the time where it things just felt hard. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I don't want to be doing all this stuff if it's not really what you're calling me to do, God. I don't want to write books and do podcasting. And, you know, for one thing, it costs a lot of money <laughs> to do all this stuff. You know, it's an investment. And so I was like, and I know you always provide Lord for the money, but I don't, I want to be a good steward of my time of my, you know, finances that you bless me with. And I am totally fulfilled being a wife and a mom and a grandma and working at church and all of that and Mm -hmm. do lane counseling. And, you know, if this is not what you want me to do, then I'm totally going to surrender it all to you. I will lay down the podcast. I will lay down book writing. I will lay all this down, even though book writing had been my dream for a long time to Mm -hmm. have a book published. And I self-published a book in 2016, which was, you know, like a kind of a short gift book called Goodbye Regret, Forgiving Yourself of Past Mistakes. So I want to- Uh, And I share that as a resource, more of like a ministry resource Uh to pregnancy centers and prison ministries and stuff. I mean, it is on Amazon and stuff, but it was more so uh, like a resource. And anyway, I just said, you know, I think he knew I meant it because I had said it before when things got hard, I'd say it before. And then the next day I'd be like, no, never mind. I want to keep doing this. And Mm -hmm. I thought, is it me that I want to keep doing this? Or do you want me to keep doing this? And so when I really, really meant the fact that I can walk away from it all and I might be sad, you know, a little sad about it, but I don't want to waste any more time. I don't Mm want to waste your time, God, if this is not what you're calling me to do. And so it was, I think either the next day, I don't know, maybe it was that night or the next day that I got the email from Blythe saying, have you ever thought about doing this as a Bible study? Mm -hmm. And I originally wanted to write Bible studies. Until like in my early years of Bible study, I think the first Bible studies I've ever done in a Bible study group at church were Beth Moore Bible studies. Right. And I was like, right. And I'm like, there is no way I can write a Bible study. You know, <laughs> that, that totally intimidated me for writing Bible studies because hers were so deep and it was so much. And it was, of course, I loved doing it because right. I loved to study and I loved to learn. But I was like, that kind of cured me for a while of like, yeah, I don't, I'm <laughs> going to write devotionals and I'm going to, you know, not that those are easy, but, you know, I just, I just didn't feel called. But then all of a sudden I was called mm-hmm. and God said, this is, this is time to do it. So I just, you know, I just went with what kind of a journey do I want to take someone on mm-hmm. to freedom? And I knew that joy stealers were something that plagued a lot of us every day. Mm-hmm. It's something we all have in common. Right. And because of that event, I realized that women and men too can do this as well. Primarily my audience is women, but can be men because men, you know, read the book or read is reading the book too. But I just, you know, people want to be heard. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people just want someone to listen to their pain. Mm -hmm. and validate that their pain is 
something that shouldn't be just swept under the rug. And, you know, oftentimes our joy stealers can be something that, you know, maybe we've done or something that's been done to us or something that, you know, uh, is out of our control or something that we can control or something that God can control, you know, so sometimes we try to control everything. And so yeah. we're not called to control. It's not our role to control, as I say in the book, but I want to take people on a journey and I wanted it to start with surrendering the joy stealers. I didn't want to start with like leading up to it because we got to do that first and surrender is so key. So week one is reveal and it's about revealing what threatens to steal our joy. And I actually have the reader write down the things that threaten to steal their joy. And I kind of share a lot of my personal stories and biblical stories in the study and Mm -hmm. gives an opportunity for people to write those things down. And so, um, you know, sometimes we don't know what it is, you know, oftentimes we'll even say to ourselves, I don't know what's wrong with me Mm -hmm. or some, you know, sometimes you'll hear someone else say that it's like, I, I just don't understand. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. And there's something deep down rooted down there that is probably something that needs to come out. And so I, you know, encourage people in week one to ask God to reveal it. It's like when we're in Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells us, you know, ask what did it, what is this? What is it that is causing me to feel this way? What, what is it causing me to manifest all these other behaviors that I don't really know? Are they just symptoms of something deeper? Mm -hmm. So that's what we do in week one. And then so week two is respond. So we've re- revealed what the um, joy stealers are, which I, I kind of talk about how important it is to identify something and naming it mm-hmm. because, you know, before something can be eliminated or dealt with, we have to know what it is. Mm-hmm. And I tell a story about a bank robbery that I was in when I worked in banking. And of course that's always a risk when you're a banker. Yeah. And so I, uh, was in two bank robberies actually, which isn't so bad if you think 29 years, you know, two, you know, <laughs> that's not too bad, but anyway, one was plenty, but you know, right. none would have been better. But right. the first one was me personally, when I was on the teller line, I was personally actually robbed by someone. But then the next time is when I was a, ma- a manager, banking manager, and I was in the back of the office and I didn't know what was going on, but these guys had come in and my friend next to me, Barb, she tapped on the glass between our offices and she just pointed to the front of the lobby. And all I saw was a customer on the floor and I saw this huge man. I don't even know how big he was. He just seemed huge. Um, and he was, had a mask on and everything. And he had this customer on the floor and he had his like combat boot square in the on his back to keep him down. And he had a weapon pointing at the tellers and it was just really traumatic. And after every bank robbery, we're actually trained prior to bank robberies. You know, we're trained what we should do, you know, do what they ask. Don't, you know, just don't try to be a hero, you know, do what they ask, but also it's important to grab the description sheet and write a description. Mm -hmm. You know, what did they look like? any tattoos, any markings, any, you know, color hair, or, you know, can you tell like how tall they were? There's markings when they would walk out of the bank there, there's markings on the door 
of the bank. I don't know if banks still have it. I haven't noticed because I've been away for so long and I don't really <laughs> even go in the bank often, but they had markings on the door so we could see how tall someone was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because it, unless we can identify that person and give that description sheet to the police so they know who they're looking for, they're not going to be able to find them. Right. They're not going to be able to find them and deal with the situation and get them off the streets, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I, I give that story because I wanted to bring about the point that we, we need to identify that. And then, so week two is respond and we respond to those by surrender. Mm -hmm. And I talk about what that looks like and how do we do that? And the different scenarios of the things that we might need to surrender. Mm -hmm. Idols is one of them. And we may not even realize that we've put things before God in our life because we don't have a golden calf in our backyard. You know, we don't right. feel like idols. I don't have any idols, but, but yeah, we can actually, they're very sneaky. <laughs> we can have some of those. And then uh, we go on to re week three and it kind of like is um, similar to taking up that white carnation. Week three is receive. And I thought it was just so important to have receive in that position because we want to receive what Jesus has already freely given us. He's given us his joy that our joy would be full. And mm -hmm. we want to receive God's joy and God's peace and what God offers us. And so that would that's week three. We work, work through that. And then week four is renew because mm -hmm. there's so much in the Bible about renewing, renewing our minds and, you know, to have a renewed spirit and you know, just a renewed perspective. And so that's what we talk about in that week. And then we go on to rest. I think I covered, yeah, rest is next is week five, because it's so important for us to get rest, like that deep down to the soul kind of rest mm -hmm. and not just like taking a nap <laughs> kind of rest, right. but really serious rest in him and how that looks and what we can do. And I give practical steps in each week of of things that we can do. And then the last week is reach. So taking people on a journey from surrendering what threatens to steal their joy, not that it's going to change their circumstances necessarily, but mm -hmm. knowing that they're going to turn it over to God and say, God, this is, this is yours. And I don't want to try to control it all anymore. And I want to walk freely. And I want to know that I could still be used by you. Mm -hmm. And so week six is reach and reach has a lot to do with like the fruit, you know, that God mm -hmm. wants to use us and, and help us to bear much fruit. And what does that look like? And what is the fruit, you know, all about and all of that. And so I think it's important because then it's, it's like walking the path of being a healthy disciple, regardless of our current circumstances. Mm -hmm. And also to realize that regardless of what we're experiencing, that our joy, you know, is a God-given gift and that it's a fruit of the spirit and that we can think our joy is stolen and we can think our joy is lost, but that it really cannot be. And so it's, it was encouraging to me when we went through, we talked about it before the recording about when our house flooded mm -hmm. and that was a hurricane last year when our home flooded and it was, it was exhausting. It was traumatic. And, you know, the thing that kind of encouraged me was, you know, I still have fullness of joy because the word says that in, in God's presence, we have fullness of joy. So right. I have joy regardless of my emotions, what I'm feeling, whether I'm happy or sad, you know, it can still, 
exist simultaneous, simultaneously with the hard stuff right. and the good stuff. And so it's not dependent on our circumstances. So that's kind of the journey that the book study goes through. And so I give, you know, biblical stories and uh, my own, I share a lot of my own personal stories, which is, is kind of fun to do, but mm-hmm. a little vulnerable too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. Cause yeah, I just got your book the other day and um, I've kind of started to trifle through it a little bit, but yeah, it looks so good. And where can people find your study? They can go right to my website, doraswift.com. Mm-hmm. And on the very first page, you'll see the study. And then you can also go over to the book page and there's a little bit more information about the study. It kind of breaks it down mm-hmm. in the different weeks and it gives uh, more information and it is available on Amazon and they can, but they can go through my website and learn more about it and then go over to uh, purchase the book if they like. And mm-hmm. there's also some freebies on my website and on the first page that they can check out. One of them is a free resource that's actually called Surrender the Joy Stealers. It's mm-hmm. kind of a mini condensed version of the steps that we go through in the in the Bible study. So mm-hmm. I would love if, you know, people would connect with me. I would love to hear from you. Absolutely, guys. Go connect with Doris there. Where are you found on social media? Well, I am on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And I'm a little on Pinterest, not much though, but my links to social media are also on my website that they can find me there. And they can also reach out on my contact page. I will put links to all of that in the show notes. Thank you again so much, Doris, for joining me today. Do you have any last minute encouragement for my listeners? I do. I just want to encourage the listener that no matter where they've been, what they've done or what's been done to them, that they have a fierce calling, that their joy is full because Mm -hmm. Jesus promises that. And if they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, they might not know what that even is or might think, you know, that they do, but they really haven't explored that Mm -hmm. on a deeper level um, to just seek him. Because he says, when, when we seek, we find, Mm -hmm. and I also have a tab on my website that is a meet Jesus tab. It has some more information about, you know, some different steps that you can take when you want to reach out and meet Jesus. But, but just to be encouraged that, um, you know, no matter what you're going through, life is really hard. Mm -hmm. Seasons in our lives are hard, but that you're not alone, that the things that you are experiencing are valid mm-hmm. and that uh, your pain is never wasted and God sees it all and he knows. And so um, I would encourage anyone experiencing something right now to reach out to a trusted friend mm-hmm. and just not hold on to these things alone. You know, through right. COVID, we just got even more isolated. Mm-hmm. And so isolation is a way that the enemy wants to pull us from the crowd, pull us from our family, pull us from the church, you know, body and get to us. And mm-hmm. I think when we're isolated, we become more vulnerable. So yeah. it's important to stay in community. Absolutely. Guys, go give Doris a follow. Thank her for coming on the podcast today. And I will talk to you guys next episode. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. I pray that each of you will take something from this episode, that you will be challenged, 
that you will be encouraged in your walk with God. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review so that other people can find this and other people can listen to the stories of God's redemption. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.